Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. All right, folks, hope you're having a wonderful Wednesday. Uh, We've got good weather right now, but I know we've got a uh, a cold front moving in the next three nights is going to be colder than a well digger rear end around here. And uh, so we're kind of getting ready for it. I've had a lot of inquiries come to me in the last 10 months as to why I stepped down from uh, the board of directors from Brazos River Authority. And for those of you who haven't listened to my political mandarins in a while, uh, I've been a candidate for Texas Senate. Didn't wasn't successful. It was close. Got my name out there. Got a lot of folks and I took some time out. Uh, I've been appointed. I ran, worked uh, with the Johnson County uh, Emergency Services District, what's known as a JCESD, for five years. Did some great things, which we'll discuss in the show. And uh, I was also appointed by the Texas Governor Greg Abbott to the Brazos River Authority Board of Directors in 2019. Now, anytime that happens, uh, the Texas Senate has to confirm you. But because of COVID, my confirmation got put off. 2019, by the way, happened to be the year that I got back in or got into, I should say, broadcasting uh, with a show I did on iHeart. And then last year, starting this up uh, here with Voice America. And let's be blunt. I'm a little bit of a firebrand. I'm not afraid to put my opinion out there and I'm not afraid to uh, step on some toes. So when the confirmation came around, one of the things that I asked the people that worked with Governor Abbott's office that were supposed to advise me on this. Um, if I got anything out there that I've said that I need to be aware of, I mean, Hey, I'm not an idiot. I know I throw some stuff out there that are going to step on some people's toes. I knew that the hearing committee had four Democrats, five Republicans, and I knew one of them, the Republicans was squishy, but according to the governor's office, I didn't have anything to worry about. Well, I knew that's always crap. You know, I got into trouble back in 2009 when I was running for political office. I had had a complaint on a brokerage deal I'd done for the Texas uh, Real Estate Commission where I had someone get complained and ended up uh, got a political button pushed on me. I got a license suspended for three months. And I thought, you know what? They're going to come after me in that hearing. And I had documents and all kinds of stuff. This was one of those you learn the hard way. Don't leave yourself exposed. So I was prepared for that. What I wasn't prepared for, based upon what the governor's office said, was, is there anything else out there? I didn't know. So when you go into these hearings, what it is, you're in a small room. You've got all these people that start asking you questions. And I'm going to talk about that meeting today because, number one, I didn't respond to it officially at the time when it happened through the press or anything else. I had a lot of inquiries because they were about to go into session. My governor had a lot of distractions. I didn't want to be a distraction to a session, my governor, my senator. I wanted to let them do the state's business. So I kept quiet about it. Well, it's been 10 months now. It's time to talk about it because anybody that's considering a political appointment in any state needs to recognize the process. And you also need to recognize that this stuff can come out of anywhere. So let's get into it. The reason I'm talking about tweets, lies, and two Texas senators is because the issues are surrounded some tweets I did. And there was a lot of lies that came out during this confirmation, not from me, but from the senators. Two in specific, 
Texas Senator Carol Alvarado, who serves the Texas 6th District, which is predominantly Houston, not a bad woman, not the devil, okay? Uh, very nice lady for all practical purposes. But the problem was when we started getting into it and they start saying, well, we want to ask some questions. And I always love it when someone starts a conversation by going, well, I'm all, I support free speech, except, or I support free speech, but, and that's how it started with Senator Alvarado. Now the tweet that got me, we'll just say irritated with her. And I did put this out. Uh, it was either February or March. The tweet was, if the open borders caused by Joe Biden brings a person in with COVID-19 and that passes to another and they die, is he guilty of murder? So the first question was, well, well, did you tweet that? I said, as a matter of fact, I did. Now, I need to back up for a second, folks. This hearing was about me being on the board of directors for the Brazos River Authority, which is a governmental board that helps manage water in the state of Texas. One of the reasons I was picked, because I've got a lot of administrative background, I work well on these boards, and I've also spent a lot of money helping develop desalination technologies. That's what I was there for. I wasn't there about a tweet on Joe Biden, but that's where it went. And that was the tweet. So the first thing was asked, well, did you tweet it? Well, yes, it did. I wasn't going to deny it. And then all the real, I realized, okay, this isn't going to be about something that happened with the TRAC that I'm well prepared for. This is going to be now something I put out there in social media related to politics or a show. Okay, that's fine. You want to go down that road? I'm, I'm not going to back off. And Senator Alvarado, I'll be blunt, I think she's done a lot of good work. I don't like everything that she's done. She's a Texas Democrat. Uh, she holds a leadership position, but that doesn't make her the devil, okay? She does a lot for public health. She's done a lot for public education. Um, she likes economic issues that I, I don't necessarily disagree with. For example, um, she wants to increase career and technology education funding. I don't have a problem with that. She wants to limit elementary size classes. I don't have a problem with that. She wanted to freeze tuition at public colleges and universities. I was actually a huge supporter of that. Okay. Um, she was also not a fan of sugary drinks in public schools. I think we got to be careful on that one. Uh, I personally think we've got a problem with sugar in our food supply, period. But I don't have a problem if it's a if, it, if we're paying tax dollars. But I do think that was probably something should have been voted on. But I think I actually supported that. What I don't support is an outright, we'll just call it a blatant open arms policy that violates our borders in the Constitution. You're supposed to come in here to be a citizen and do it legally. And we know right now, since this president has been installed, that it's been anything but legal. Okay. He is in violation of Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution. And by the way, if you're not sure what that article is, let me read it from you. You should have a pocket Constitution with you at all times. And let me read it from you. Section 4, Article 4 of the United States Constitution. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government. That doesn't mean the party. That means a republic. And shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we've been under invasion since January 20th, 2020. We've had an open borders policy. My state, along with a few others, have, we've been dealing with the brunt of it. Now, I threw out the tweet that had COVID-19 in it because that happened to be the pandemic virus of the moment. But we all know by now, and if you haven't, then you're got your head in the clouds. COVID-19 is not the man killer uh, of all society. Yes, it is a deadly disease. Yes, if you have health complications, it, it can be very serious. But if you're not overweight and you're in pretty good shape, it's, it's an upper respiratory infection that you're going to feel crappy for a week or two and go away. It's a really an aggressive form of the flu. And Omicron that's out there effectively is the flu. Kills thousands of people a year, except when COVID came in, kind of replaced it. Okay. So I'm not saying that it's not a legitimate disease. I'm saying it doesn't warrant the response that's been coming out by the United States. But folks, we have far worse issues that come across our border when we have people coming in that aren't getting checked for what they're bringing in. That's part of what immigration is supposed to do. If you've got a problem and you want to come in legally, they quarantine you. There's far worse diseases that are coming in with the illegal immigrants, and they're not undocumented, they're illegal, that we need to know about. Terrorists can come in. And this open borders policy that Joe Biden has embraced, if we had a Congress with a spine, he would have already been impeached and potentially removed because this is a clear violation of his duties. Our governor in the state of Texas can use this same article to defend the state of Texas in absence of the federal government's presence. And right now, it's not only an absence, they're swinging the door open, come on in, and they're shipping them off to other places. It's creating a problem for any state or metropolitan area or small county or small town that has to take these people in because they're not designed for the kind of influx that's been coming in this past year. Now, I know what everybody's going to say. Well, Darren, you're just against you're just against immigration. You're just a terrible, terrible person. That's a bunch of horse mocky. Let me tell you something. First off, my family on my father's side, the Yancey family, one of the oldest families in the United States. We go back to the 1600s. We know how many brothers came across, how many kids they have. We know where we were in France and we were in Wales. Folks, my family got run out of Europe because they didn't want to confirm uh, to conform to the Catholic Church. They had the King of England and the King of France running them out. On my mother's side, I'm Lakota Sioux, along with some German that goes in. The Germans, they didn't walk over. They immigrated in. And that's how America was built. But it was built by knowing who comes in, register who you are, if you got a disease, deal with it, and then be a productive member of society. The problem with illegal immigration right now when it comes in is, number one, they have to go into a hidden system. And by the way, if you're under the impression that illegal immigrants should get any form of benefits, you're either intellectually derelict, retarded, or you're a Nazi. Feel free to call me, 866-472-5788, to discuss it if you disagree. But the bottom line, it doesn't do good for the illegal immigrants because they have to go into shadow. Now, you can say, well, they get benefits. Well, yeah, they can. They shouldn't. And that has to stop on all levels. When I've got people in the streets, when I've got veterans in the streets, those people need benefits. Those people need our help. They're American citizens. I'm not saying we don't want anybody in. 
but we need to know who they are and what are they bringing to the table? I know there's going to be people say, well, what about humanitarian efforts? They're just, they're just doing terrible in the country. We just got to help the people. (laughs) You know what? There's a lot of 501c3s out there, nonprofit organizations that you can contribute to that do fantastic work for areas outside of the United States to help people. You can help people and not bring them in and make them a burden. But see, Ms. Alvarado was very, mm, I want to say miffed. Because she asked, did you, did you, first question was, well, did you tweet that? I said, yes, I did. Well, did you mean it? Well, yes, I did. And I said, Senator, if we're letting people in, and at that time we had known that at least 100 people had come in, had been diagnosed with COVID that were let loose in the state of Texas. I said, man, if we're letting people in with COVID or other infectious diseases and they go out and infect somebody and die, somebody is responsible for it. She, the, the R word came to her lips and I started to see her say, well, that's, and she almost called me a racist in the hearing. She is a frog hair away from doing it. But instead, Senator Alvarado said, well, I tell you what, I'd like to have this discussion in private. I don't know that this is the right place to have the discussion. And by the way, I agreed with her because we're there to talk about water for the state of Texas, which, by the way, it's a very important issue in my state and a lot of states. And I got to tell you something. If you don't understand how important water is as a commodity, wake up. So we'd gotten off topic. Okay, we're going to get back on topic. What I didn't get a chance to tell the senator, because I didn't want to go for, because I I had both, when she came at me, I had both barrels ready. I think she saw it. I think she realized if I come out and call this man racist, or I keep going through, this is going to get ugly, and it would have, and went down a path that wouldn't have been beneficial to her, and probably not beneficial to me. Because I'm not going to hold back. See, at that particular time, I was also on the Johnson County Emergency Service District. One of the problems that we were having in the district, we needed money. Fire, emergency services, all that stuff costs a lot of money. A fire truck, before you put equipment on it, is a $500,000 expense. That's before you put equipment on it, okay? And the, and the district that I was serving in was predominantly volunteer, but we needed more equipment. We needed more stuff. And at that particular time, most of the funding for that particular organization came from ad valorem taxes or property taxes, which I'm not a fan of. Okay. There was a time I was 100% of them. I'm direct opposite of that now. I want them to go away and we need to go back to consumption. So I wasn't about to go to the taxpayers of Johnson County and say, oh, by the way, we need more money. And legally, we could have asked for an additional increase of, I believe, 4% because you have a cap in the state of Texas on how much you could charge in these emergency services districts. It's up to 10%, okay? We were at six. We could have asked for the other four. I said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to go for a sales tax increase. It was legal for us. It was an option. I don't like taxes, but if I'm going to do it, I want to spread it out and make it as fair as possible. 
it took me three years and dragging my board of directors and other people in that emergency services district through glass to convince them of where we were from a projectory standpoint of finances and where we we're going to be. We were in such such shape. We were on a, a basically a collision course where one day our expenses were going to over run our costs and we're going to have to start cutting things back in a growing county that needed more services. In May of last year, we took the proposition to the voters and we got it passed. Now, let me tell you something that the Johnson County Emergency Service District does not do. If you have a car accident or you need the jaws of life or you need to be uh, taken out by a helicopter or they're trying to put out your house or barn fire, let me tell you what they don't do. They don't ask if you're a resident of the county. They don't ask what your gender is. They don't ask what your political affiliation is. They don't ask what your color is because we don't care. And the reason I bring that up is because I championed that cause for three years. That message is specifically to you, Senator Alvarado. You and I both know where that was going. And you're a better person than that. I've looked at some of the work. I think if you and I had actually had that meeting and we'd have sat down and we'd have had a discussion, we'd have found that I actually support more of your work than I don't. Now, we may not agree on how to fund it. We may not agree on social policies, but I think there were things we could have come together on to eliminate the concern that you had for me making a good board member on a topic that has absolutely nothing to do with the management of water. And that's really what the issue was. Now, I've looked up Senator Alvarado's Twitter account. There's some things that are okay, and there's some things I'm not a big fan of. For example, I know that this past year, she did a filibuster on the Senate floor calling the Texas Voting Rights Act, or whatever proper bill it was, as a voter suppression bill. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Not only is it not a voter suppression bill, we've got more people voting now than we've ever had locally, county-wise, state-wise. Just like the federal. There's more people voting in federal elections than they've ever been. This nonsense that someone says, it's a voter suppression bill, is garbage. It's garbage. As a matter of fact, it actually, I'll be honest with you, the, the bill that came out of it actually weakened election integrity because there are certain penalties that were not in in place that should have been in place to ensure people don't cheat. But she filibustered 15 hours on that. Now, give her the kudos for the 15 hours. That's impressive. You're committed to the cause. That's the wrong cause. You want to talk about voter suppression? When I get to the next half of the show talking about Senator Gutierrez, we're going to talk about a voter suppression bill. It's called HR1. What's the other thing I don't like? Well, she's a big supporter of online voter registration. Wants to outlaw manual voter registration because it's cheaper. It is cheaper. But when you say it's more secure, that's where I have a problem. Online voter registration is not more secure. Anything that is online, anything that's done through the internet, 
is by definition unsecure. You can add levels of security to it. You can add levels of encryption, but you cannot state with 100% clarity that they can never be hacked or security measures bypassed. You just can't. And so what she's wanting is, and this is in line with, as we'll get to in later part of the show, HR1, online registration. That's our big, big thing that they're wanting to push. That online registration. They want online, 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 online. Okay, they don't want a paper trail. See, a paper trail you can track. Apparently, Texas is one of eight states that doesn't do this. You know what? Texas is also one of the most secure states for voting, and we still have our problems in certain pockets. We don't have Dominion voting systems. We do everything manually, and there's a reason for that. It may cost more, but it's more secure, and you can track it. See, the problem that you have, if I do everything online, that's got to go to a database somewhere. And folks, how many times have you heard of some data center somewhere? Oh, it's state of the art. It's just got all the things that make it great. Get hacked. Information goes out. Information goes missing. It just up and vanished like a fart in the wind. We just don't know where it went. It happens. And I'm sorry, in this day and age, when we know there are people with nefarious functions trying to do things online and over the net, I do not want the securitization of my city, county, state, or nation relying on an online registration base. Just don't want it. At this point, I think every most people are in agreement. We've got to have a physical trail. So the fact that Senator Alvarado is pushing this, I'm, I'm not real pleased with that. Now, again, does that mean she's the devil? No, no. She's a Democrat. I know there's some of you out there think that's a filthy word. You know, we got to have disagreements, but we got to be able to talk. And see, the biggest thing I want you to come out of this segment of the show is that Senator Alvarado came out and made a declaratory statement. Well, you, you tweeted that? Well, did you mean that? Well, yes, it did. And here's why. And then shut off the conversation. Offered to have it in private chambers, and that conversation never occurred. And if we'd been able to do that, we might have been able, might have been able to do more for the people of the great state of Texas. And this is something I'm going to stress throughout both talking about her and Senator Gutierrez. What was done that day did not benefit the state of Texas. Number one, it was not, it's not a compensated position. It's a volunteer position. And I can tell you, nobody would run and campaign for something on a emergency services board or a state governmental board that is just boring as the day is long. It's just, it's the, it's the sausage making of running government, whether it's on a small local level or whether it's on the state one. It's sausage making. Nobody's going to spend money and campaign for it. Okay. That's why it's called appointment. That's why people in certain positions, elected positions, that's something you need to know about when you elect certain people that they have the ability to appoint. You've heard some of the interviews that I've done in the last couple of months. And it's a question I ask some of these candidates. Well, let's talk about appointing. How do you define this? How do you define that? Okay. I was an appointee. 
and did a fine job at it for the two and a half years I was in there before me and Senator Alvarado ever crossed eyes. But for some reason, because I put out a mean tweet about Joe Biden, I was racist. I was the devil. And instead of honoring her word, she chose a coward's way out. And what do I mean by coward's way out? Senator Alvarado and I never got an opportunity to have that conversation because there were four Democrats on that committee. And Senator Alvarado and Senator Gutierrez, who I'm going to introduce you to in the next half of the show, they all ganged up, even though I was going to have private meetings with each one of them because we were agreed some of these times. Well, we got some concerns about some of your tweets. Whoop the freaking do. It's called the First Amendment. It's called free speech. And ladies and gentlemen, anytime someone starts a conversation, says, well, I'm in support of free speech, but they're lying to you. Senator Alvarado, I think you're a better character than that. And so what I would like to do is invite you onto this show. We can do a pre-record. We can do it live. If you need more than an hour to debate me, we'll have to do a pre-record. But if you can do it with an hour, I'll give you an hour live show to a nationwide audience. And we'll debate immigration and whether or not Joe Biden is personally responsible for anybody he's let come across who's brought sickness. And I'm not talking just COVID. There's other diseases out there aside from COVID that he's brought sickness to this country and they've got sick and they've gotten died and who should be responsible. I'll have that conversation with you and I challenge you to come on the show again, live or pre-recorded and let's debate it. Let's have the conversation publicly that you didn't have with me privately. And if you'll do that, We'll talk about those and we'll talk about other things sweet and dear to your heart. You've got some good things that I think we can have common ground on. And that right now is what our nation needs. We need to have common ground. We need to have things we can talk about because we are in a very, very precarious situation right now because we're not talking to one another. We're screaming at each other. And that doesn't lead to anything of any type of positivity. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Time to get a little iced tea and stretch my limbs. Maybe make it to the uh, little boy's room. You are listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. I'm your host. By the way, uh, real quick before the break, you can also check out the website, informationedge.net, some of the sponsors that have been participating with this show and keeping us afloat for a long time. And uh, we'll pay a few bills, and I'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are listening to The Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. This is the Information Edge. Let's do a little housekeeping real quick. Um, Social media, Twitter. uh, My other account got nuked in October. So it's now at InfoEdge65. I'm the edge on Twitter now because I'm kind of edgy. Uh, but I'm also on Gab at DGNC65 and Getter at DGNC65 and Parlor at DGNC65. Um, so I'm pretty easy to find. Um, a lot of followers uh, we've got on Gab. We're building up again on Twitter. You know, I got to tell you, since this new guy's come in, you know, I thought Jack was, was a, a Nazi SOB. This new guy's even worse. I mean, he's just, he's been suspending accounts left and right. So I think my days on Twitter are probably numbered, um, but we'll see, you know, cause I'm gonna put stuff out there. I, most of what I put out there folks is information on the topics that I'll cover on the show. Uh, go to the information edge.net. You can see those show topics. You, and remember that site is a, it's basically, it's, it's a user site for you. If you go to show topics, there's lots of links on the, the topics I cover government sites. If you need to know, um, a congressional site committee member. You can go to congressional sites. You can see whether it's the House or the Senate. I list all the committees. You can click them to find that out. I've got government key sites. I've got state sites. We've got it all covered. I've done the work for you. So all you need to do is go to the informationedge.net and look it up. By the way, the newsletter is growing. I know I don't promote it enough on the show. I have people say, why don't you say more about the show? Sign up for the newsletter. I do a quarterly newsletter. As a matter of fact, I've got to do one this weekend. 
Uh, first one for 2022. I'm racking my brain on that one. Uh, it's got good information. We do have, a, you know, the sponsors sponsor the newsletter, uh, go to our advertisers. They help us all out. So do those great works and I can keep bringing the show to you. And, uh, cause this is not something I'm making money at. I do it because it's the right thing to bring you this information. Uh, and as long as we're doing that and we're doing it in a way where I can tread ground, I'm in for it. All right. I want to talk about the second half here on the show. I want to talk about the other Senator that was there in terms of during this particular hearing. And um, the gentleman's name is Senator Roland Gutierrez, and he's been a Senator for, for, I think since 2020, he'd been a a representative for a number of years. Um, I haven't been able to really kind of find anything that he's done outstanding. I think he's just been out there for a while. Um, He's an attorney, very full of himself, very arrogant, a little bit of a pompous ass. But having said that, I liked the guy. I really did. I and and I I think I even said, I think in a different environment, you and I can go have a beer and talk and, and have a good time. But let me tell you about what Roland Gutierrez was. And this was the one that I think sank me in the hearing because I wasn't gonna back off of it. Okay. Now I don't remember exactly when, and I don't remember exactly where, but somewhere down the line, I put out a tweet. Comparing, I believe it was legislation of the Democrats to the Nazi party. I said it then, I'll say it again. If you can read H.R. 1, which is they're trying to make Senate Bill 1, even though we, it died last year, and they're trying to bring, they're calling, by the way, they call it the Voting Rights Act. They're not voting rights. H.R. 4 is this John Lewis Act. Go in and read them. They're not voting rights acts. They're voter suppression of the worst nature. They are constitutional shredding of what the founding fathers put in place. And we have checks and balances. We have two-thirds majority vote for a reason. These bills will obliterate that process and put in one-party rule. And folks, if that isn't akin to Nazi Germany, I don't know what is. But let me tell you about the hearing. So after Senator Alvarado had our tete-a-tete, got flipped over, Mr. Gutierrez came. He kind of came in a little like, yeah, I've got some questions. And he threw out there, did you did, did you make that tweet? Well, that's the first question. Did, did you make it? I guess if you want to deny it, I wasn't going to deny it. Yeah, I made it. Then they follow up. Well, did you really mean it when you put that out there? And, it, and now this guy, you got to understand. This guy's an attorney. He's a gas bag. He's an, by the way, he's an, I say that he's an enjoyable gas bag. I really did like the guy in a different circumstance. I think we could have just had a hell of a time, but he'd gone, you know, when I was, a, I was a representative and I was full of myself and I'm thinking, buddy, you're full of yourself now, but go on. You know, I'd go around and I'd say things and after some reflection, I wouldn't really mean them. He said, could that be the case? Mr. Yancey. And I said, no, I meant every word of it. Well, and, and, he, and he, he droned on for like four or five different ways to try to get me to say, well, did you really, are you sure you meant it? And I would go back and then finally I just said, buddy, have you read HR one? Have you read that bill? I said, can you support that bill on a local level on what the federal go through? He started getting and he realized this guy's got some information here. So I just kept, well, would you think maybe it was just a true dogmatic statement? He, he was throwing the attorney stuff at me left and right. 
Well, Mr. Yancey, are you sure? I'm thinking, am I talking to a Perry Mason here? You see, those words might offend somebody. They might have hurt somebody. Somebody might start crying because I called it a Nazi bill. Damn right I did. Damn right I did. And let's talk about what the Nazis did. I'm going to make a comparison contrast and Senator Gutierrez, because I'm going to send this to the Texas Tribune when this is done, because I got all kinds of queries. What do you want to respond to? What do you want to say? What do you want to do? They didn't respond. It wasn't the time. Now it's time. And they're going to send this to you. And I want you to listen to this because this is your half of the show. And I'm going to respond in the manner I was not given an allowance to during the hearing because you guys controlled the conversation. Well, guess what? I control the conversation here. And we're going to cover my topics. And then I'll give you an opportunity to respond. Let's talk about what the Nazis actually did and why I compared them. First off, let's just talk about the thing called the use of fear and intimidation against their opponents. The Hitler brown shirts, the Hitler youth. Well, how's the Democrat like that? Well, let's see here. Let's start with Antifa and let's talk about the summer of 2020 when Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, Ariana Presley, and our current vice president, we're encouraging people to go out as specifically Antifa and BLM and protest. And they were burning down cities. Democrat run states and cities, burning them down. If you pull up Antifa.com right here, right now, it forwards to whitehouse.gov. Let me let you in on a little technical secret, folks. Do you know that you cannot forward? In other words, you can't forward a domain to another domain unless you either own that domain or have that domain's permission. Did you know that? Right here, right now, 3.40 p.m. on the 19th of January, 2022, if you hit Antifa.com, it goes to whitehouse.gov. How in the hell did that happen, Senator? Antifa is the Hitler brown shirts of today. And it has the backing and support of the Democrat Party. I can show you numerous videos of those four individuals, among others, not only encouraging what they were doing, supporting what they were doing, but providing financial assistance through bail and other donations. Yes, Mr. Gutierrez, currently on a national basis and hopefully not on a state or local basis, the Democrat Party has shown Nazi signs, but it doesn't stop there. No, 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 no. Let's talk about the January 6th commission. This was something that Nancy, uh, Madam Speaker, decided to come out with. That commission is right out of Hitler's playbooks through trying to crush the opposition. Here we had the summer of 2020 when actual real insurrection was going on. And these people that I've named going out and encouraging it. And then you have a few hundred idiots walk around and knock a few things down 
at the Capitol. And I'm sorry, I'm going to back up Marco Rubio. We didn't have a guy in Viking hat and spandex take over the United States Capitol. It didn't happen. And oh, by the way, we now know enough with enough surveillance that's come out. There was more than enough inside help. So if you believe the January 6th commission is legitimate, you might be a Nazi. Don't be an idiot. That's designed to crush opposition. It's designed to crush anybody that supports President Trump. And they're looking at every possible way to keep the man from running again because they fear him with all of their soul. They fear the man. That's what Hitler and the Nazis did, Senator Gutierrez. Let's talk about another one. Let's go back to that HR1, okay? How do you basically control a country? Control who's in charge. Control how voting's done. Control how people get to vote. Now, let's talk. I've thrown that HR1 out. And by the way, folks, I did two shows on HR1. Go back into my, my library. Go to voiceamerica.com. Uh, look under Darren Yancey. You'll find my library. This was done, I want to say, February, March of last year. I did extensive shows on HR1. And I'm just going to give you a couple of highlights. Okay, I'm not going to spend it because we don't have the time. What they wanted to do about it is, number one, they want everything going through the Internet. Okay, they want to uh, basically they wanted to lower the age to voting age to 16. They wanted to make illegals immune from prosecution. Oh, yeah. They wanted to control database of how and when you can purge roles. They did not want to define an eligible individual eligible as a U.S. citizen. Okay, they wanted to register. I mean, it's just they wanted criminals to vote again. They wanted to eliminate paper ballots. They wanted to eliminate identification but it gets worse than that. Okay. Wanted to require blank absentee ballots. That's what sunk us in this last one. Okay. That's just a couple of things on there. If you go to my site, information.edge, one of the drop downs I had is for pending legislation. I've got the links to HR1, which what came out of the House. I don't have HR4, but if HR4 is very similar to it, that's what they call. Uh, it's, they have a different name, but but go under HR4, HR1 and HR4. Uh, HR4 is a little less water. It's a little watered down, but it's effectively the same thing. Okay. These are designed to put the Democrats in power on a permanent basis. They're, these are changes to the Constitution. And rather than go back to the states to get two-thirds ratification, which they know they would never get, they would try to enforce it. And they want to get it into the next election because they know right now they are staring down a ass whipping of sizable proportions, the kind which hadn't been seen since Barack Obama. They know they're going to get their fannies tanned if they don't do something. And they know if the next election comes in and the Republicans retake the House and shore up some of this stuff, they will never get another opportunity because people have seen under Joe Biden just how much of a Nazi party this has become. I'm not saying every Democrat in there is. The leaders certainly are. I'll say this to Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, nor I, I'll say it to any of them. But the problem is when the rank and file don't have the intestinal fortitude to step forward and say, no, I can't support this. Yeah, I'm, I'm in your party, but this is a bad bill. I'm sorry, I'm going to paint you with a broad brush. And I know there's good people in the U.S. House under the Democrat label that are voting for things they know better than to vote for. 
Now, what does that sound like when you do things that are against your, you're, you're afraid to stand out? What does that sound like? Sounds like fear and intimidation. It sounds like something that the Nazi parties did. Yeah, yeah. Folks, go and look up HR1, HR4. These are massive bills that they want to go through. Oh, there's also another one out there called HR 127. I went, I did a show on it too. Not only do they want to take guns away, they want to register every form of ammunition, charge you tax on that, make you take a psychological profile exam of why you would even want to own a gun in the first place, as well as make you carry insurance if you own a gun. It's all designed to make you not want to own a gun. You can see these on the website under pending legislation. This is serious stuff, Mr. Gutierrez. But guess what? There's more. See, another thing that the Nazis did is they did social controls. Now, in the Nazis' case, they promoted very masculine young men and, and very feminine young women. Today, well, that's not what's being promoted. But it, here's what is being promoted as a social control. the Basically, what they call the transgender person or gender fluid, or there's X number of genders. No, you're either a man or you're a woman. Now you can, you could take parts of a pig and you can dress it up and, you know, but if you still got parts of a pig, it's, it's either, it's either a hog or it's a sow. Okay. You might inflate some things to make that sow look like a hog, but if they don't have the pot, it's, you know, <laughs> it is what it is, folks. Now, I'm not saying that that's not, a you know, someone that's saying, hey, I'm, I'm a woman inside a man's body. I want to become, go get it done, partner. I, I, I don't have a problem with it. I don't want to pay for it, but I'm not going to stop you. But right now, what's being promoted is transgender. And, and if you don't support transgenders, then that's a, some other form of social racism, which is the biggest bunch of garbage. But the Democrat Party is the promoting party of this. Here's the other thing they're promoting, toxic masculinity. In other words, they don't want manly men out there. Why? Because manly men will whip the living crap out of these peons that come up to us and run their mouth. They don't want manly men out there because a manly man could stop some of the crap that's coming through. They are promoting that toxic masculinity. They equate that to. Let's see. Let me think of all the possible things. Uh, white nationalism, which we're going to talk about nationalism. Um, white supremacy. Oh, my God. If you're a white man and you're masculine, oh, my God, you are the scourge of the earth. And it's being promoted, folks. The Democrat Party right now is openly promoting the demagoguery and racist reviews of companies that will no longer hire white people, and particularly white men. Even though there are existing laws on the books that, that absolutely outlawed this practice, the Department of Justice under that retard Merrick Garland isn't doing anything. Maybe they want to go after some parents that don't like things happening. And that's the other thing. Critical race theory. You don't see conservatives pushing that. That's being pushed by a liberal Democrat party, and that is a Nazi policy. When you're saying a parent has no right to the education of their children, when you're promoting a, a process to basically mentally denigrate and beat down the majority of children that go to school, 
That is a social engineering program that's right out of Adolf Hitler's book, Senator Gutierrez. You know, I made that tweet because it's true. But there's more. Let's talk about we've hit on this a little bit. Propaganda. Nazis were great for it. Right now, what are you hearing? You're hearing out of uh, Outlaw Joe and all these people. Well, we've got to have voting rights protection. We've got to do it. Now, that's code, by the way, for H.R. 1 and H.R. 4. That's code. When they tell you that they're that we need to have voting rights protection, that's code. Well, we can't have all these voter suppression laws coming up from all these southern and all these red states. That's just voter suppression. It's terrible. People can't get out of My feelings are hurt. I don't care. Okay? That is code. It's propaganda. Because if you read H.R. 1 and you read H.R. 4 and you don't understand the things that come out of it, you're intellectually corrupt or you're a retard. It's just that simple. There are no in-betweens. When you read these bills, it's very clear on what they're trying to do. So when they come out and say, well, we need, we need, we need to protect voters' rights. Well, actually, that's what they're doing in the states. Constitutionally authorized, by the way. Oh, gosh, we keep forgetting that pesky constitution. That's what the states are doing. They're shoring it up. They want to be sure. If you look, if you have a problem presenting an ID to vote, you're probably a criminal and you shouldn't be voting anyways. And at this point, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, we have to start taking a hammer, a, a, a psychological hammer. To these people that are promoting, well, if you're having to show your ID, that's just racist. It's just racist. Yet these same retards will come out and say, well, I don't support, I don't, you can't have a, you just can't have, you can't make me produce a voter ID. But by the way, you need that damn Vax passport because you're just spreading germs. And these people are breeding. Oh my God. <laughs> but that's another topic for another day. But that propaganda is right out of Adolf Hitler's book. And of course, probably the most one of the most damaging that we're going to see outside is economic policy. The slander of capitalism. The promotion of socialism, universal employment, folks. I mean, really stop and think about that. Do we all need the same job? Oh, my God. Can you imagine that? We'd be, at, we'd be at each other's throats, tearing each other apart inside of 60 days. You can't have that. People need the ability to choose. People need the freedom to say, I want to go work for you because it ain't my bag of tea to, to, to work for myself. Or I want to go do this for myself because I just know I can do it better. You need that freedom. You need that alternative choice. The United States in capitalism has done more in, in its 250 years of existence under the capitalistic model than any other country. And it's been a shining light because of capitalism. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect. And I'm not saying there's times that people in charge of it don't need to be grabbed by the scruff of their hair and thrown out in an ant pile. That's what government's supposed to be. The referees. Okay. Government's referees, private individuals, corporations, free market players. That's gotten jumbled up. And that's a problem. Senator Gutierrez, I'm going to give you the same challenge I gave Senator Alvarado. 
come on this show live for an hour or we'll do a pre-record. I don't have a problem doing a pre-record. If you can't make my date, I'll make yours. And let's have a live, let's have the debate over whether the modern Democrat Party is looking a whole lot like Hitler's Nazis. I want you to give me counterpoints to every point I put out here and say, well, Darren, you've made this point, but here's a point that refutes it. I want you to do that. I, I truly do. Because I am scared to death about the Democrat Party right now and where it's going. Because the leadership is the most radical we've ever seen in the United States. It is not a Democratic Party. I've got people who say, I'm a Democratic Socialist. What? Why? I mean, do you understand what those, do, do you even understand what those words mean together? And a lot of times people don't. It's just the, the it's, it's absolutely amazing at the number of people that throw out words that don't even understand the definition of what they're saying. So, Senator Gutierrez, I'm going to give you the same offer. This particular, when this is done, it's going to go out over the net. I will send it to the Texas Tribune. They're going to review it. I don't know. They may, may can it. I'm going to send a copy to your Twitter feed. And I truly hope that you take me up on it. I'm not, by the way, Senator Alvarado, Senator Gutierrez, I'm not your enemy. Okay. I don't think either of you are the devil. Matter of fact, Senator Gutierrez, I was looking at your, your Twitter. You've got a very lovely family. You've done really well. What I want to do is have the conversation, not in a smoky back room. I want to have it where we can have public discourse and have a discussion and everybody come out and say, hey, we agree here. We disagree here. You controlled the conversation in my hearing. You tried to publicly humiliate me. I didn't let you do it. And I wasn't going to change my words to stay on the board. I stick to that to this day. All right, folks, we're out of time. You've been listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. I hope you've enjoyed the program I brought you today. I try to always be informational, educational, and somewhat entertaining. Hell, I try, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. I'll be back here for my final show on Wednesday next week. Then I move into a different channel on Voice America and on a different day, a different time. Until then, have a wonderful and blessed afternoon. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have more to share then.